It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heatwave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I've been uh, doing a lot of research. I will tell you, you know, it's funny the different research you do. You do research sometimes on how you're going to bet. The draft, right? How, how much are you going to bet it? And you do research about, all right, you know what? I'm going to do a whole mock draft of the entire first round. But when you're actually choosing a specific team and multiple specific teams, which we're going to be doing tonight, it becomes a different kind of aspect because you're going, well, this is who they probably would take, but this is who. I want to take, right? And this is who I think the team will take, but this is who I want to take. And you got to kind of walk that line there, you know, guys, where do you get swayed by what everyone's saying the team should do, or do you go with your gut and say, you know what, this is what Tom Barton would do. Also joining, also joining us, tonight, us tonight, radio personality, personality sports, sports member Chris Wynn. Chris, you'll, Chris, be, you'll be joining us here in the mock draft. draft. I know you've been studying, studying enough for this, for this buddy. buddy. I don't think Chris could hear us. Yeah, maybe we lost Chris. Chris. We'll we'll get him on here on the the horn and uh, we'll get this going. going, You know, when we look at this draft 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 yeah, you know what? Look, I, it hasn't. And if you listen to the Sports Garden Network show this morning, I had Tony Polian on. Tony Polian is, is one of the preeminent, if not, I would call him the preeminent draft analyst in the, in the country, okay? Um, this is no slight to Mel Kuyper and, and McShay. I, I think Tony Polian has them. And we talked about it. You know, we talked about the situation. And there is some news coming out, so we will get to that um, when you're making your selection. There's some news that was coming out last week that... I think swung the pendulum. I think it made an impact. There's also, you know, the gut feeling. You know, we have gut feelings in this business, and there's some gut feelings here, Tim, that I feel like number three picks going a different way. We'll see who you pick, and we can have a discussion about it, but I don't think I would pick who you're going to pick. I don't think uh, I'm going to pick who the real number three is going to be, but I think I'm right. Do we have Chris, Chris Wynn with, with us? Chris, you there? Yeah, what I think, right, what I think right, remarkable, right, guys, is the, the, the whole concept of uh, how the moving and shaking has gone at the quarterback position, specifically Justin Fields here, right? 
Yeah, he, yeah, he's falling, he's like, falling a like a rock in some places, in some places it seems, it seems like. like. Uh, we uh, will. We will. I mean, Chris, I, mean, Chris, I know you've been studying for this. You should be excited to get the number two pick in this draft. Guys, the number two pick, massive controversy. Jose going out there today, and, and uh, Jose, friend of the show, obviously, part of the Heat Wave show, he's a Jet fan, and he, he destroying Wilson on the week of the draft, <laughs> destroying the pick of Wilson. And he's not the only one. A lot of people out there that are Jet fans are going after the Wilson pick um, if he winds up going there at number two. But I can't believe how many Jet fans are already upset. Are we going to see a McNabb situation where they're booing the pick? I don't think so. But you do have a select group of Jet fans that are not too happy. Tommy, Tommy why, 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 why is why this, is this, 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 this Jet so used, so to, used drafting to drafting badly, badly that they're, that they're uh, second-guessing second everything, everything here? here? You know, I think a little bit of that, Tim. I, I do. I think that there's a little bit of history, a little bit of, uh-oh, you know, whoever we take is going to is gonna crash and burn. But you also have, and, and this is what I think about Jose, um, I understood his point. His point was, I wanted to keep Sam Donald. I wanted to trade up, uh, trade out of that pick, you know. I wanted to keep Donald and kind of build a team around him. And, and I was, Tim, you know, I, I understand that. I'm kind of okay with that. I understand that. But what's done is done. Now it's time to kind of back your team. And I, I proposed it to Jose, and I, I don't want to be talking out of line here, you know, but the, this was a, a public forum, and I proposed it to Jose. I said, okay, look, I get that. I get the Donald. You want a Donald, sure. But now that ship has sailed, you know, who do you want now? You know what I mean? Like, because you have to let that go. And a lot of times, you, you just don't. You know, there's a lot of times where fans just don't let it go saying, well, I didn't want this guy. Well, that ship has sailed. He's gone. He's not coming back. So embrace whoever is picked at number two. And I assume, and I assume we'll, we'll see many, many draft day trades, trades happen, happen here. here. We saw, we one, saw just one just earlier, earlier last, last week, Tommy. Tommy both more Ravens, Ravens, Ravens and the Kansas Chiefs made a deal. deal. The Chiefs get Chiefs an offensive, offensive lineman, which we predicted, predicted they would pick they would in that number spot. spot. And the Ravens get another first round pick. Yeah, that was a really good move by the Ravens. Because there's a lot of these things that the general public doesn't understand. The general public doesn't know what's lying beneath. The general public doesn't understand what is beneath the surface. And that is, a lot of guys are going to get signed the day after draft day, but we know who's going to get signed. So your Ravens go out there, you know, you go, oh my goodness, they made a trade. Oh, what did they do? Uh, they, they got rid of their left tackle. Yeah, but... Villanueva, who is a Pittsburgh guy, was visiting with Baltimore all week leading up, and the general consensus around the league is that he's going to sign with Baltimore the day after. So, Tim, you went from a very good left tackle to a very good left tackle, right? And then you gain picks with it. So, thinking ahead, being that chess move of, okay, I'm thinking two spots ahead, this year more than ever is really going to be impactful. Chris, I know you did the research, my friend. You ready for this? It's game, it's on, game gentlemen. on, gentlemen. Can you hear me can you hear fine? Me fine? Are, we, are we good to go? Good to go? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nice. nice. You know, guys, bef before we, we jump into it, you know, I said I, I would save this for the selection, but I don't know when he's going to go. I, I want to talk to you guys about one thing, and that's Justin Fields, who's falling. Because there is an uncomfortable situation to have here, okay? And we don't shy away from that on this show. There is a very uncomfortable situation, and the situation has nothing to do with the race, which people are trying to make this about. It has to do with a very real prognosis and a real serious problem, and that is it came out last week that Justin Fields is dealing with epilepsy. 
Now, I know that we had this conversation about, uh, you know, race and color of skin or why was Justin Fields dropping and, oh my goodness, I just want to make everybody very well aware, when you're talking about the draft, there's so much we don't know. Now, you can argue, oh, who cares, he's been playing with it, it's perfectly fine, no, but there's so much we don't know that come out years later, come out maybe never, that we don't know why a guy falls, because it's not one team passing on someone. It is multiple teams passing and multiple guys going down the list of all of a sudden Justin Fields is dropping like a rock. And obviously in the nature that we have, in the world that we live, it's all racism. Now it comes out, you know what, he's dealing with epilepsy. Is that enough to make people pass on him? Yeah, maybe it is, guys. Well, there's no question, question, right, Tommy, Tommy, that that off-the-field stuff... stuff needs need to, be, to addressed, be addressed, especially, especially when you're talking, when you're talking about, quarterbacks. about quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, quarterbacks are not, are not quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Okay, they're okay, not they're linebackers, linebackers, they're not edge rushers. rushers. They, are, they guys are guys who have the potential, have the potential and, and end up end being leaders of franchises, leaders of teams. And as much as you want to talk about fields, having a strong arm, a good size, top end speed, you know, the fact that he's a guy that's accurate. That's not that's what it's, not all, what about it's all about with quarterbacks. quarterbacks. And, and we've seen, we've this, seen this across, across the, board, the board, whether it's, whether it's you, you know, DeMarcus, DeMarcus Russell, Russell to Jamarcus Russell, Russell, I should say, or, or, or other guys, guys who have all have the intangibles. intangibles. But there are, there so, are so many things, many things that come that into play, come play when you talk about quarterbacks in the NFL. Do you guys believe, though, that Justin Fields is dropping because of the epilepsy thing? Do you believe that... You know what? Maybe he was a little overranked. I mean, I talked to draft analysts all year long where people didn't really love Justin Fields. There is the Ohio State feeling. Do you think that this is almost a smokescreen so when teams pass on them, they could say, yeah, you know what? Uh, he, he had this problem. Or do you really believe that teams are just going, you know what? It's, it's a problem. It's a worry of mine, so I'm going to pass. I'm going to take, take that, Tim. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll yeah, I'll take this one. Take this one. I, I, think, I, think, I think it's a lot of, a lot of what you just, what you just said, Tommy, mixed together. together. He, he was always, was always the, the third quarterback, quarterback, I think, when, 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 when you're looking at what was going to happen here. And maybe he maybe just doesn't fit the, the, the stereotype of what they want. When I say stereotype, I'm talking about the guy likes to run, right? And, you know, that could be an issue. I don't know. I don't know other than that I like Justin Fields a lot. I would have taken him where I'm going to take him. Maybe I change my mind, though. We'll have to wait and see where I pick. I just think it's a little bit of astounding, though, that you have some situations where you have Charlie Casserly over on NFL Network talking about the possibility of Justin Fields dropping out of the top 10. We're talking about, you know, around 17th, 18th pick in the draft. That, to me, you know, obviously is, is something, that, something is that is eye-opening. eye-opening. To say the to least. Say the least. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, uh, as far as, as him far dropping, as him I, mean, dropping I, mean, I, I still, I think, still he's think he's a top, a top five guy. I think he's going to end up being a top five guy, but that's, you know, I'm not tipping my hand at all as far as my picks. I'm just saying that I, at the end of the day, when Thursday rolls around, I just, I just have a feeling that he's going to somehow, with, with, uh, with respect to teams like the Patriots and maybe some others that are looking to trade up into the, into the top ten to get one of these guys. I just think that uh, Justin Fields is going to be one of those targets. Yeah, I agree, Chris. I think he's. Look, you, you know, the, it's not like you're taking a, a season's worth of work and that's your basis of where he's dropping. It's not like he, he scored poorly in, in the combine. It's not like in the private tryouts he, he did terribly. You know, the only thing that I've, I've, I've read and heard was that this medical condition came out this week and, and that 
that may cause teams to look at it like differently, like Tommy said. But, you know, I'll be honest. I think it's just sometimes these, these GMs fall in love with certain people, and that's just where their mind's at. And for whatever reason, teams don't fall in love with Justin Fields. I don't know, Tom. It's I don't think you had him going high anyway, so you may have been right this whole time. I've been on – you know that, Tim. You know, I've been on the bandwagon that he is completely and utterly overdrafted right now on draft boards. I, I never had him going that high, and it's not that I don't like him. Can he be an effective guy? Sure, he can be an effective guy. You know, he's an accurate passer. He's got decent arm strength. You know, he, he lofts the ball pretty well. He's got the athleticism. You know, what I watch is a guy that in Ohio State – and this is a, the scouting report that I would give – I watched a guy with that Ohio State that every single game, uh, with the exception of maybe one here or there, but generally speaking, every single game that he played, his offensive line was better than the, the defense that he was playing. And he was hit a lot, grabbed a lot, sacked more than he should have. He doesn't have good pocket awareness. He gets rattled by that blitz, by the pocket. He, he, he doesn't do well when there's people in his face. He doesn't do well when people are blitzing him, when they're getting pressure. I watched that constantly. So I knew that going forward. And I talked to people uh, on the Sports Garden Network show. Uh, I spoke to scout, scouts. I brought that up. To a man, every single scout said, oh, absolutely. He's not going to be able to handle the rush in the NFL. And so to me, you know what? If you can't handle the rush in the NFL, that's a problem, guys. That's a serious problem. You had, you had a much better offensive line, especially if you're going high. Look, if you're going in the middle of the draft, uh, you know, maybe you could catch a decent offensive line. You're talking about going to the Jets or going to, uh, you know, a team like, uh, you know, Denver. You have to have a good offensive line. The guy is bad at the at, at pressure. He's just bad with pressure. But I would also touch on this too, Tommy, as far as, you know, when NFL teams are analyzing it, they're not necessarily going to analyze based on what his offensive line was doing. In college, right? There's gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be taking a look at you know is he a guy that does a good job of keeping his eyes down the field while extending plays? He's someone that can locate late opening targets. Is he that kind of you know is he that type of quarterback that can make those plays? Does he have you know does he have the arm? Does he have the size? Does he have the speed? Is he someone that it does his game translate to the NFL? Obviously, these are factors that that all come into play. And so I don't think it does, you know, Chris. Well, so you think, but you, but you're but you're saying that uh, you think they evaluate based on what his offensive line does in college, as far as I think if a guy know, gets rattled, successes. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to look at at if a guy gets rattled in the pocket, and you're watching him get rattled by the blitz, and he can't pick up the blitz. He has bad pocket awareness. He he gets uh, sacked because of pressure. He gets happy feet out of regular pressure, and then you go, all right, you know what? That eh, guy played for uh, you know a garbage team. He had no offensive line. We get it. Or you go, oh wait a minute, he played for Ohio State. Okay, no, this mm -hmm. is going to be a continued problem. That's that's what I believe, and that's why I don't see him succeeding to the level that I think people would think. Do I think? Uh, listen, if the Bears land him at uh, twenty, you know, twenty-five or whatever, if the <laughs> Patriots land him at twelve or thirteen, sure, should he be a top three pick? I don't think so. What other? prospects Tommy have you heard that are dropping like a rock here I know we always talk about where the top of the draft sits but if Fields drops he could drop he could pull an Aaron Rodgers drop here and move down in like you said the late teens I don't see it happening but it could happen right in the, I don't see him get past the Patriots though um yeah. yeah other guys that are dropping Travis Etienne who I just spoke to LeVon Kirkland this morning um uh, you know Clemson Hall of Famer 
a Pittsburgh Steeler, and he's he's saying, man, I hope Pittsburgh takes him at 23. I just keep hearing Harris going at 23. Uh, Travis Etienne, I thought, was a first-rounder. I thought when the season ended, we all just assumed that Travis Etienne was going to be the first guy off the board. I'm hearing he might be the third running back off the board now uh, from the kid from North Carolina. So not a first-rounder, maybe not until the mid-second. He's dropping. So is Farley, uh, the cornerback. A lot of that is because of the injury. Obviously, Farley has an injury. I just still thought people would say, you know what? I'm taking him. He's a shutdown corner. Farley may have been higher rated than Sertain if he was healthy, guys. And he should drop completely out of the first round. Somebody has a, a really big guy there. And the guy that I just keep hearing as a steal is linebacker Weaver. Um, him and Dylan Moses. He, they're not going in the first. And there are some people that don't believe that they're going in the second. Moses and Weaver are going to be impact players in this league. You know what's interesting, Tommy and Tim, and you bring up Tim, obviously, guys that could be slipping. What's what's intriguing to me is what the players who sat out last season, kind of, you know, kind of the, you know, the info that that is available on them and the perception around the league of some of these guys, you know, the Micah Parsons of the world, guys who, you know, without question, went from a talent standpoint, we're, we're talking about top 10, top 20, you know, first round guys. But because of, you know, the extenuating circumstances, obviously, of COVID-19 and, you know, what these some of these players decided to do from a college standpoint, how is that going to uh, impact where they are selected and what teams decide to go after them? You know, I, I can tell you, I can t- take one thing. And again, um, Penny Sewell to me last year, if he came out last year, it's a very good possibility. He's the first non quarterback off the board this year. He is, on my big board, the second-ranked player overall. He should go number two overall. Now, I get it. Quarterbacks are going to jump up. There's a realistic chance that Penny Sewell doesn't get dropped to, get get picked in the top five, top seven. I've seen him drop down to number nine or ten in people's drafts. Why? Because you know what? He took the year off. Okay? If he came out last year, I think we're having a totally different conversation. He is a... Quentin Nelson type impact possible player. I, I, I really do. I think that he is the best uh, tackle in the draft. I think he's the best offensive lineman in the draft. I don't even think it's close. Rashad Slater is a good player. I don't think it's close. And he's dropping because they don't have film from last year. Chris, let me ask you this, and, and Tom, jump in after. Tampa Bay, the defending champion, world champion, sit at pick 32, obviously the last pick of the first round. Chris, do you, you know, Brady's Brady, right? However long he's going to go, he's going to go. But we, we shorten the window every season. There isn't a young stud backup there. Do, do the Patriots use a pick in the first round on a quarterback? It's an interesting point, Tim, without question. But, guys, I've been you know kind of combing over some mock drafts here all day long, getting ready to prepare for the show tonight. And you guys just got done talking about Travis Etienne, right, out of Clemson. And it seems to me... I, you know, if I want to do a consensus of like 70 to 75 percent of the mock drafts have NTN being that second running back going and he's going to the Buccaneers at 32. That, it, that's what's, you know, and it, it seems like uh, it would be a good fit, right? It seems like a need, obviously, that the Patriots would have. So to answer your question, Tim, I don't I don't, I don't really I, w- I don't believe so. I don't think Tampa Bay, that's their mindset right now is to think about, uh, you know, who the replacement for Tom Brady is going to be, i.e., this first round of this draft. You know what I mean? I think there's there's going to be other possibilities for the Buccaneers and other directions they could go after Tom Brady, whenever he decides to retire. 
ends up uh, heading out of town. But I, I don't anticipate, and this is just my personal opinion, I, don't, I just don't anticipate that the Buccaneers are going to be looking at 32 as, as a spot where they would look for the, Tom, the TB12 successor. Tim, my short answer to yours and Chris's contention is no. No, they're not taking quarterback, and no, they're not taking Travis Etienne. Uh, and I will tell you why. First of all, they're in a win-now mode. They know that they have a short window. Uh, their contracts, the way their contracts line up, they're not going out there and taking a flyer. And that's what would have to happen. They would have to take a guy that most of the league doesn't belong, doesn't think belong in the first round. A Trask, a Mills, a Mont, someone like that. A Mont, somebody like that. They're not going to do that. If there was a surefire guy, listen, if Mac Jones falls to them, sure. Uh, but they're not going to do that. I'm going to say 0% chance they take a, a quarterback. And they're not going to take Travis Etienne because of what they just did. Look, you have a backfield right now of Leonard Fournette, who's paid. Ronald Jones, who just got paid. And they just signed Giovanni Bernard. You're not going to throw Travis Etienne into a situation where he's in a four-headed running back attack and waste that. If you are in a win-now mode, they need to get somebody on that field that will help them win now, literally now. So I don't see either one of those guys going. Well, Chris, you will have that pick when it comes to it. So we'll see who you think Tampa drafts at 32. And the only change... As of this week was the Ravens will pick 31 instead of Kansas City. Tommy, that'll be your pick. So when we get there, that, that'll be the route we go. We're going to take the time out, and when we come back, we'll kick off the 2021 NFL Heatwave Sports Mock Draft. Stay tuned. It's up after this. to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. All right, we are back and we're ready to go. So just to clarify the rules, once again, gentlemen, Tim, Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, and Chris Wynn with you here for the Heat Wave Sports NFL Mock Draft. We're going to do round one tonight. Tom will pick first, Chris will pick second, I will pick third, and we'll continue in that order as we go through the 32 picks. So the basis here, guys, is you're picking for the team that's up. And if you feel that there will be a trade at some point, and that's not the team that will be selecting there, you're still picking the player you feel will fit into that, that spot. Therefore, we can continue on our way because if we try to do trades, it's going to get a little messy. And if you're trying to pick out, you, you know, obviously, right, Tom, if, if Atlanta, we feel, is going to move that pick, you're not going to pick for Atlanta. You think that there's going to be another quarterback there. You'd pick that guy there without really necessarily saying the team. That way the draft can continue on in, in the way it should. I, th I think that's fair, yes? I got it. I got the rules, yes. Okay. All right, Chris, you ready? We're ready to roll, gentlemen. All right. Damon, let's start the draft. As the countdown to the 2021 draft continues, 
Welcome to the Heatwave Sports NFL Mock Draft. We have a special announcement. Heatwave Sports. Home of the 2021 NFL Mock Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome, welcome to the Heatwave Sports NFL Mock Draft. Right, we will kick things off. We already know where this one's gonna go. Damon, I believe we are ready for- The Jacksonville Jaguars are now on the clock. There we go, Tommy, you're up. Uh, So can we play a couple more commercials? Figure, (laughs) uh, you know, 15 minutes up. Take my time, right? Jacksonville's been on, every year, the the team that's number one overall, they've been on the clock for, you know, months and months and months, and then it just seems like they waste all their time because it's in their glory. I'm not going to do that. Look, this is a guy that I would have picked first number one overall last year, Tim. I would have picked first number one overall the year before that, Tim. I think he's been the best player in college since he entered college. He's extremely well coached. He's fantastic off the field. He's got every single thing that you want in a quarterback, and that is going to be Trevor Lawrence. Let's not glide over this pick because we knew what was coming, okay? This is a generational talent. I've been told many, many times, he is Peyton Manning. He is Andrew Luck. He's John Elway. You have to go comps of guys that are not in this league, okay? I have watched every single thing, and I'm not a professional scout. I can't tell you that Andrew Luck was even better, okay? He might be the best prospect we've ever seen. And I know the number one overall pick. They have a lot of pressure. I love his situation with Urban Meyer. I love the fact that he's got wide receivers with him. I love he's got a running game with him. Guys, this was an easy one. Trevor Lawrence, and we're going to watch Trevor Lawrence potentially not only win an MVP, maybe lift a trophy in Jacksonville. I think he's that good, man. I can't say enough good things. Wow. Yeah, it's, you know, for me, it's a no-brainer as well. I'm interested to see how his rookie season progresses. And uh, I think I think you might be right, Tom Barton. I think um, that, that could be the call. Trevor Lawrence goes to Jacksonville with pick number one, pick number two. The New York, New York Jets, Jets are now, now on, on the, the clock. clock. All right, see when you have the Jets. So, guys, we've been talking already about uh, the number of quarterbacks that be going going early in this NFL draft this year. And, of course, Tommy just mentioned and, uh, you know, lauded, of course, what Trevor Lawrence is going to bring to the table as a signal call in the NFL. Well, number two, the New York Jets, who just moved on, of course, from Sam Darnold, another, you know, top draft pick that they had there in New York City. And now they move on to another signal caller out of BYU and Zach Wilson, the number four overall prospect, gentlemen, on the board, the number two quarterback prospect and what's been kind of a shuffling of quarterbacks here over the past number of weeks. But you've got a guy in Zach Wilson who's played in a pistol-heavy offense. It's got a ton of full-field reads and and a, and a lot of pro-style stuff that goes on with this offense that he played in at BYU. This is a guy who has an ability. He can, Look, he can extend plays. He is someone who can adjust his arm angle to generate throwing windows. You think of guys like Aaron Rodgers. You think of guys like Matthew Stafford, guys like Brett Favre who can, you know, they don't just have one arm angle that they can chuck the ball out of. Zach Wilson is one of those guys. You look at strengths. 
athleticism, without question, he's got that, okay? Not the biggest guy. It's sitting at 6'2", about 214, but he is absolutely athletic. And he has a nice deep ball, which I think Jets fans will love also. On the other side of things, with his weaknesses, his vision comes up a lot as far as you know what his uh, ability is to uh, to kind of see the defense and and to anticipate things. And also, we bring this up a lot with quarterbacks, and we're going to do that a lot with both Zach and with Trey Lance. It's his experience against elite competition, right? Zach Wilson didn't exactly play against a lot of the blue bloods in college football, right? He didn't light up quality college football teams out there. And while you look at his 2021 stats, they're pretty astounding, right? At 33 touchdowns and three interceptions, it's not exactly a, a list of uh, you know top-heavy teams in the college ranks. So I think the uh, Jets are going to get a good one here. Uh, do I anticipate, obviously, what Tommy was talking about with Trevor Lawrence? Absolutely not, okay? That's not something that we can project with Zach Wilson. And there also is the outline factor that you, Tim, myself, and Tommy talked about with Zach, and that's playing in New York City, the number one media market in the country, being on the Jets in that town. That's a different kind of animal. We'll see how he adjusts to that. But uh, nevertheless, I have the Jets taking Zach Wilson at number two in the 2021 NFL Draft. Tom, with and we're not going to really do alternate commentary as we get further in the round, but with the first few ones, I think it's necessary. And, you know, we, like Chris said, we went over all the the, the pros and cons with Zach Wilson going to New York. I, I think my biggest worry here is with the way the front office is set up and it's in disarray and now new head coach, does Zach Wilson get the Sam Darnold lease on life here? Or is it something that uh, he's going to get the same amount of time or do they overreact again if there's problems with Zach Wilson and the Jets winning games I mean he's not gonna be able to do it by himself Tom they're gonna have to build around but is he gonna get that time no no he's not um I I mean you know in Joe Douglas you trust that's kind of what everyone's saying let's be honest they set this kid up for failure because of the Darnold situation right I mean a a diehard Mm -hmm. Jet fan like Jose are already hating on him um he's not a ready for NFL quarterback I don't think he is I think he's a guy that in three years from now, given the right weapons and stuff, we're going to go, eh, that's a pretty good quarterback, right? He's got a lot of Baker Mayfield in him, in my opinion. And that's that's a compliment, but it's also a negative, right? Baker took some time to get adjusted to the league. He looked good last year. Uh, I don't know if in New York he's going to have that time. I don't know if in New York they're going to give him the pieces around him. Uh, it's a very tough division, tough place to play. He's a long way from home. Uh, it, it's. Uh, I don't want to say the recipe for a disaster because I'd be taking Wilson too, okay? Uh, but I think he's certainly set up for failure. If he succeeds, guys, then he's overcome so much. Uh, you know, it, it's almost to me like the Mitch Trubinsky situation, right? You look at Trubinsky's resume when all is said and done. Uh, guy's got a playoff vi- a victory if it doesn't double doink on his resume, and he, he's got an over 500 record, right? A couple come from behind wins. I'm not saying he's uh, the world beater. I think Wilson can be better than that, but I could say this. I'm pretty confident Wilson isn't lifting a Lombardi trophy with the New York Jets, and that's not because of Wilson. Trevor Lawrence to the Jags, Zach Wilson to the Jets, pick number three in the mock draft. The San Francisco 49ers are now on the clock. So so this pick, guys, goes to me, and this was a benefit of the news we heard this afternoon from me and Rappaport that – the Niners had basically narrowed down their choices to quarterbacks, Trey Lance and Mac Jones, which 
puts Justin Fields out of the running here. And I know Tommy had said that he didn't have Justin ranked this high. I did. And, you know, I'm going to say it now. I had Justin Fields in this spot. I figured you're going to trade up. They traded up to the, to the three pick to begin with, obviously, to take a quarterback. And I thought Justin Fields at that point, when he was bobbling up and down, uh, prospective draft boards, that maybe this was the route that John Lynch was going to go. But obviously, this is a Shanahan deal, I think. And uh, with the two guys that they've put out public, when you look at Mac Jones, guys, uh, his stock has tremendously risen since the end of the college football year. 4,000 yards last year, 41 touchdowns. I know it's a situation. He's a, he's a two-time national champion. I know one of them's a backup, but still, he's got that winning pedigree. Six-three, two-fifteen. Shannon's in love with him, supposedly. And you know, it wasn't the pick I was going to make, but I'm going to use the benefit of what I'm hearing to help this draft stay in, in touch here. For me, it's Mac Jones to the Niners here for whatever reason. It's again, I'm not so sold on it, but I think this is what the pick's going to be. Uh, Tom. What are you hearing? Is Mac Jones the guy for, for Kyle Shanahan? You know, I'll tell you from a, a betting perspective, Mac Jones was the heavy favorite 10 days ago. Uh, three days ago, Justin Fields shot up to plus uh, or minus 120. And I've said since day one, and I actually took some money on Trey Lance going plus 200. This is purely a gut feeling. I keep hearing Mac Jones. And Shanahan wants to rub it in every everyone's face and say, look, I took Mac Jones. I told you Mac Jones. Mac Jones is my guy. I just feel like Trey Lance makes sense. I feel, if you read between the lines, when they had the interviews in the offseason just weeks ago, what did Shanahan say? He kind of buried Garoppolo, and then he said, but he gives us the best chance to win this year. And he gives us the best chance to win. Uh, you know what? Guys in the locker room like him. He gives us the best chance. Then they went to John Lynch. What did John Lynch say? You know what? We got Garoppolo here because he gives us the best chance to win. When you start talking about best chances to win, you know, doesn't that mean you're going to sit a guy down? And Trey Lance is the perfect prodigy. If you were going to sit someone down and pick anyone in the league to sit down and learn behind, I think Shanahan's the guy. And Shanahan, to me, looks at Trey Lance as I can mold him into one of the greats. I can mold him into exactly what I want him to be. I feel just personally, I would go Trey Lance. I'm a big Trey Lance fan. I think... The San Francisco 49ers should go Trey Lance, but I do hear Mac Jones a lot, guys. And what's crazy, guys, is think about this. Like I and I talked about at the top of the show, like the Mac Jones has been all over the place, right? I mean, it was it was it just recently that he's even been discussed being in the top three or four of this draft, right? I mean, am I wrong on this? I mean, it's it's look, I get it, okay? He has pocket presence. He's a guy that's able to maneuver. He's, you know, he's he's got that mental toughness that everybody loves. He's got that quick release and 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 he's part he's been part of a program that is a winning culture obviously in Tuscaloosa. But, you know, and I and and I don't want to harp on this, but, you know, Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, really? Harp I mean, on it, Chris. It. Yeah. Two, I mean, I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. think about it. I mean, Tua, Tua Tagovailoa obviously is still, you know, we still don't even know how that that how that story ends, right? We still are trying to figure out what exactly he's going to bring to the table. But I mean, are you kidding me with the quarterbacks down there? I mean, AJ McCarron is that what we're talking about here? Are we talking about guys? It's not exactly a quarterback factory. And uh, yeah, right, Tommy. I don't. I mean, I don't want to harp on it, but. I am uh, I'm I'm rather surprised when I saw that tweet today by by Ian Rappaport where it was down to Trey Lance or Mac Jones and that Justin Fields was nowhere 
even it, it, he was making it sound like Justin Fields wasn't even in the conversation anymore. And to me, that was surprising. But uh, we'll see. Hey, uh, we'll see exactly what uh, transpires here in uh, just a few days and, and what direction they decide to go. Guys, is it any different than this? You know, you talk about Alabama quarterbacks, the same thing could be said for Ohio State quarterbacks, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so quarterback, quarterback, quarterback to open this draft. Lawrence Wilson-Jones, pick number four. The Atlanta Falcons are now on the clock. Tommy, this one is back to you. All right, guys, I 100% fully expect a trade here, okay? Um, it, it, it might be the pick, even if there's not a trade, but I just continue to hear that Atlanta is getting offers thrown at them that would make your eyes uh, just roll back in your head. And I will tell you, one quote that I heard was, Jerry Jones inquired about it and hung up, you know, his people hung up midway through the conversation when they were just listing off what it would take to get up there to compete with the other offers. Um, so, I, I mean, we're talking about, you think about what, what guys like Stafford just got, we're, we're talking about to move up to this spot, what's it going to take, three number ones, a couple number twos? I mean, it's going to be epic. But even if it's not. I'm taking Trey Lance here. I think he's the best quarterback left. I absolutely believe that if Trey Lance is available, it's a trade-up. Atlanta might take Lance anyway if he's available, but it's a trade-up. The way that this draft produced is sort of the way that I think the real one is going to produce. Like I said, I would have taken Lance. I'm taking Trey Lance here. Trey Lance, guys, I, I have a college football expert on that does nothing but FCS. I've had him on for, th for two years. He's told me he's the best prospect that he's seen. He is fantastic. Now, there's not a lot of tape on him. Okay, granted, you know what? There's not a lot of tape on Mac Jones either. Okay, there's not a lot of tape on Justin Fields either. He only played a year and a half. So that you can't use. Does he need a year to sit the bench and learn? Absolutely. Does he get a little, uh, you know, a, a little aggressive in the running? Yes, but he's a lot bigger than people think. He lowers his shoulder. He's a lot tougher than people think. And guys, the big thing is he doesn't make mistakes. So I think Trey Lance is a giant boom or bust guy. I'm on the boom side here, and I think you have to roll the dice and take the shot. I'm going Trey Lance. I expect a trade, but it wouldn't shock me if Atlanta stayed and said, you know what? We're going to sit him down and put him behind Matt Ryan. Good person to learn from as well. So we have four quarterbacks going in the first four picks. Tom, when you look at the uh, prop bets here on quarterbacks drafted in the first round, where are we sitting? I'm sorry, what was that? We've drafted, the, through the first four picks, we've drafted four quarterbacks. When you're looking at the proposition bets that we'll be able to make this Thursday, how many quarterbacks can be drafted in the first round? Where are we at according oh. to that number? Well, I got it. I'll tell you what, I, because I've been talking about it. I got a five number two months ago. Uh, five, and I was laying a ton. I'm, I'm laying minus 275. I just think it's the surest bet ever. Now it's boosted up to five and a half, and guess what? Even five and a half, you, you are getting back a pretty nice benefit. I'll take the shot, and, and listen, you're getting plus 350 back in some spots. Uh, I know I went down to Jersey, you're getting back 375 in one spot last week if six quarterbacks are taken. We got four in the first four. You got to be liking that. Well, we'll go to pick number five. I'm pretty sure... Pick number five will not be a quarterback. Let's see. The Cincinnati Bengals are now on the clock. So, gentlemen, let's throw up a stiff arm here. Tim, you're absolutely right. Yes, St. Nicola has been going out in force in this draft, but it's about to stop right now. Now, look, I was bantering about 
thinking about this pick because the Bengals are another one of those hot button teams where you know they have to they have to kind of have this they have this dilemma right where you obviously want to pick you know you want to start building and, and you have a lot of, you have a lot of spots where you need help right a lot of spots you're the Bengals okay and so you have to weigh that along with the fact that your quarterback is Joe Burrow okay and there just happens to be one of the top prospects that is his former teammate in college that's out there and that is and is one of the top guys if not the top guy at the position the Cincinnati Bengals are going to select Jamar Chase out of LSU, the wide receiver, to team up with his former teammate there in Joe Burrow. When we talk about Chase, right, this is a guy who's got, who is a burner. Tremendous top-end speed. He's going to track the ball big time. He's got a great body control uh, adjusting the ball downfield. He's, he's an open field guy who is, uh, you know, is, by the way, when he gets hit, he can still run. One of his strengths is he's, he's a guy that, look, he's 6 feet, 208, but he plays bigger than that, okay? Tremendous hands for this guy at the wide receiver position. Uh, you think about some of the drawbacks for him. Experience is one of those. Obviously, we talked about guys who, you know, haven't played a lot in the last 12 to 18 months. He's one of them. Obviously, another thing is uh, when it comes to Chase, uh, you know, I, I said he was a burner. That's kind of a misrepresentation. He's a he's a top end speed guy, but uh, you know, he's he's uh, that's that would be considered, I guess, one of his faults. Uh, I like the pick for the Bengals here. Uh, they could have absolutely gone a direction with Sewell at the offensive line position, and and maybe even something on defense. But I think that uh, the Bengals uh, make the right choice here. Obviously, people are bantering about whether or not Chase or uh, some of these other wide receivers, obviously. Uh, in, in Jalen Waddle at, at uh, Alabama, and of course Devontae Smith, I say that Chase is going to be wearing that orange and black of Cincinnati, and is the pick for the Bengals there. Tom, we we kind of forecasted this. It's no surprise, right? I mean, you it and is I are talking about. Uh, I think this is the the biggest mistake in the draft, and I'm calling it now. Uh, it's not Chris's fault because I, I get it. Joe Burrow is your franchise. Okay, you got a couple of decent, you know, offensive linemen. Penny Sewell is the guy you need to draft here. There's never been a single team in the history of this league ever that said, you know what we were? A wide receiver away from a championship. No, never. Boyd and Higgins are plenty of offensive weapons. And, you know, Joe Burrow ranked Number two, worst in the NFL last year against getting the ball out against pressure. So it doesn't really matter. If he's got pressure in his face, it doesn't matter who's catching the ball. He can't get it to him. I think this is a giant Bengal mistake. Huge mistake. We knew this was coming, though, Tom. We knew that Hurl wanted his guy, right? And we, we figured that that was going to be what he, they were going to make him happy. And uh, you and I talked about it for a month that the, the correct pick was Sewell here. Well, we kind of knew once the once the rumors had gotten out, right, Tommy, that it was going to be Chase. There was no doubt about this. Yeah, you know, look, once Burrow said, I want him, <laughs> you know, you invest your franchise into a guy, you got to make that guy happy. I just don't think that that guy knows what the hell he wants because Penny Sewell needs to go here. He needs to be the pick here. All right, pick five to the Bengals. Jamar Chase, the first wide receiver off the board and the first non-quarterback drafted. We move to pick number six. The Miami Dolphins are now on the clock. All right, Tom. So, again, the same situation for me. And I know 
Penny Sewell should be the pick here, but that's not the route I'm going to go. I, I look at Miami, and I look at the tight end situation. I know people can say, well, yeah, Mike Jasicki, you have Smythe, we're, we're good there. Not when you have a guy in um, Kyle Pitts, who by far is the number one ranked tight end on the board, right there out of the University of Florida. Big boy, 6'6", 275. He had a, a huge year last year, 12 touchdown receptions for the Gators. And I, and I think as a situation, you have Devontae Parker and Will Fuller as your wideouts. I think you put the big big uh, tight end there. That he can compete in the AFC with the other big tight ends. I thought Sewell would be the picker. You need protection for Tua, right? You, you need to be able to keep him healthy to see if he's capable of being a true NFL quarterback. But I think with the Kyle Pitts sitting there, that Miami, it's too tempting for him. I know they have a pick later on they, in the round that they can address the, the offensive line situation with. So I go Kyle Pitts here, Chris. What do you think? Kyle Pitts to the Dolphins. Well, you think about this pick and Kyle Pitts. I mean, we're talking about athletes, right? And every, every year. In the draft, we always talk about, you know, specimens, guys who can be just general. I mean, uh, Tommy brought up, obviously, Trevor Lawrence as a generational talent. We also talk about generational athletes, right? Guys who are, like, doing things that they have no business doing. When you have this amount of size and you weigh this much, you should not be running in the four threes and four four forties, right? So, obviously, it's super-duper intriguing to think about Pitts on a number of these squads that are picking in the top five or six in this draft. And so, yes, I, I, mean, I, I look at the pick that, that, Tim, you just made for the Miami Dolphins, and I say it looks like a, a solid fit, right? And it looks like something that, uh, obviously, if they can, they can weave into their offense and it can be extremely beneficial to their franchise. So I would, uh, I would absolutely be on board with this pick for the, the Finns down there in South Florida. Tom, yeah, Tim, okay? I, I think it, yeah, I think it's good. Listen, Sewell mm -hmm. is a good pick here, um, but I get it. The Dolphins' offensive line has kind of been remade. I, I, I like it. I think people are overrating Pitts um, for the mere fact that he's a tight end, kind of like the wide receiver thing for me, right? I mean, if I did a draft, I wouldn't pick a tight end or a wide receiver in the first round, <laughs> okay, ever, um, and, and probably not a running back either. But I understand team needs. I, I think Pitts gives – uh, two of the idea that, look, we went all in with you two. Now we're giving you all the weapons. If you don't succeed with this, you know, what's wrong with you, kind of? He's a safety blanket. He's a mismatch. And what I like about Pitts is that look at who he did his most damage against. Did his most damage, guys, against guys that are going to go in the first round, right? That were covering him. Corners that were covering him. It, it wasn't a tight end that was getting, being covered by middle linebackers. That says something really, really important about what kind of player he could be. And I want to push back, Tommy, a little bit on what you said because you you know you, you talked about wide receivers, right? And that, and you made the statement, look, wide receivers, no one's ever talked about. You know, we drafted a wide receiver and we've won a Super Bowl because of it. And that it's a valid point. But it also would you know that basically what you're saying though is that well, wide receivers shouldn't even be drafted in the first round. They shouldn't even be you know they shouldn't be anywhere near the top you know twenty nope. twenty five. No, they should the not. Draft. And uh, and 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 uh, you know, while I, I mean, I understand what you're, where you're coming from there. That you, we understand also, that's not really the reality, right? That's not really what the NFL has done over decades. I mean, there's this, it just the uh, you know, yes. I mean, you can make the no one's ever you know. Uh, to be honest with you, no one's ever said drafting a running back put you you know got you into the Super Bowl. Even even the drafting of somebody like an Emmitt Smith, right? Emmitt Smith goes to the Cowboys. Nobody in, in Cowboy history or lore is going to sit back and say, well, yeah, the Cowboys, you know, because they, because they drafted Emmett Smith, 
That's what's going to put them over the top to win a Super Bowl. And the same thing applies for wide receivers, is all I'm saying. I think it's 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 a matter of uh, you know you're, you're just you're trying to build a team, and you need pieces obviously to do that to get to a Super Bowl or a championship level. And so that's why wide receivers, you know, you know, con- continuously, you know, are going to continue to get drafted in the first round. No, you're you're right. I mean, listen, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying in my you know, my draft, and I'm, I'm right. being a little overzealous here, but it's the truth. Yeah. I would just not draft a, a running back, wide receiver at all, and and tight end in the first round. I just wouldn't do it. Pitts to the Dolphins at pick six, so we are up, Tommy, pick number seven. The Detroit Lions are now on the clock. All right, guys, the Lions is an interesting, interesting pick because we just went on this wide receiver tirade. Okay, I made it known that no team should be taking a wide receiver here. I think the Lions are in a prime position to trade out right here. If a guy does fall, if a guy like Lance gets passed, if a guy like Fields gets passed, if somebody does fall, seven makes a lot of sense to jump up into. But I think the Lions are hell-bent, and and I get why they should. They got rid of Kenny Galladay. They got rid of Marvin Jones. They got to get a wide receiver. Chase is gone. They'll be fine with the second-best wide receiver in this draft, and that's the Heisman Trophy winner, Mr. Smith. And I'm telling you guys, this guy is a freak. I think he fits what Detroit is trying to do. They could use him at different spots. I've heard people say he could play slot receiver. He could bounce all over the field. When you have a completely inept offense, and the Lions have an inept offense, and you don't have a face of the franchise anymore because Matthew Stafford is gone. And I'm sorry, Jared Goff is not the face of your franchise, okay? And Swift is a good player, not the face of your franchise. You not only have to go out there and think about winning. If you're the Detroit Lions, you have to think about selling tickets. And this is a guy you bring in, the Heisman Trophy winner, who also sells tickets. I know we don't look at this as a business, guys, but you do. So Smith here goes to the Lions. Chris, I'm interested in your thoughts. You are a Lions fan. Who would you take here, and what do you think of Tommy's pick? I think it's an outstanding pick, and yes, there are elements in the NFL. It's not just about uh, you know building a franchise. It's not just about rebuilding or getting back to respectability. As what Tommy said, it's about selling tickets. It's about getting, you know, it's about establishing hope in your fan base, right? I mean, people believing in your franchise once again. This is a uh, franchise that has been absolutely atrocious over decades. And, uh, you know, there's many reasons for that. Obviously, you know, the front office is a big part of it. And there's been a transition in Detroit in the front office. And there's been some changes that were made just in the past, you know, matter of months. So to me, I think... uh, uh, this absolutely now look we understand the dynamics of this Lions team obviously losing Galladay to the Giants and free not free agency but basically uh, losing him uh, not basically as of right now not really having a number one receiver they obviously you know uh, made some moves to bring in uh, the kid from UCF the uh, the, the the wide receiver uh, as well as uh, a couple of other pieces but Yes, I don't think DeAndre Swift is somebody that's going to be a monstrous difference maker. I think that, uh, but I do think Devontae Smith has the potential to be a quality number one receiver, and Detroit's going to benefit hugely by having him on the roster. So Mr. Heisman from Alabama, Devonta Smith, goes to the Lions at 7, and we are going to take our first hour timeout. We come back, of course. We're going to continue on with the Heat Wave Sports NFL mock draft. Carolina will be on the clock on the other side of the break. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas.